Welcome to Oops, I Talk Politics, the left-wing political podcast where we talk about politics. I'm Ryan. I'm Sly. I'm Phil. And I'm Daryl. Phil's uh, back! You, you, yeah, I'm back, and you guys thought I was uh, on vacation or something, but actually, I was time-traveling in the future, and oh. I, all that optimistic shit you guys said last week... The kids are our future. Yeah, It's all wrong. It's not <laughs> oh, what happened. Okay. The kids are not our future. <laughs> no. It's pretty bad there. I just so. need to know, do we ever get to see Trump's dick? Ugh. I feel like if I, if well, I tell I, you, ugh. either way, it'll ruin it, so I'm just yeah. gonna, I'm gonna leave that one. <laughs> it'll be a surprise. You gotta yeah. save that for later. Yeah, that, that'll be something that human humanity's not ready to learn yet. That's a treat for later. <laughs> we will never be truly ready. <laughs> it's, do not use this treat and Trump's dick in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, we're here to talk about how terrible the future is going to be, probably. Yeah, yeah, we have to balance. We had a good episode, so we have to balance it with terrible stuff. Like, that's like 10 like, terrible yeah. episodes. Yeah. Yeah, both <laughs> sides, guys. Yeah, so you, I hope you enjoy our one annual. Let's look at the bright side and get back to our, our regular program schedule. Yeah, maybe it's not the worst March. <laughs> so, we're going to be, with each of these things, we're going to be going a little bit further into the future with each of our topics. So, now we're going to start at the closest one to our present, which is a thing that's affecting us today, and it's hyperpartisanship. And I'm going to be quoting extensively from an article of Lee Drutman of Vox, which I'm going to read the byline of since it's significantly more succinct than the title. It's, we're trapped in a frightening doom loop of mutual distrust. That sounds wow. about right. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, yeah, this is this is like present. present. Yeah. <laughs> Dark presentology. But it's, it's like, it's just going to get worse. Yeah. Drutman's main thrust is this. We're entering a politics where the perceived stakes are higher and higher and they justify increasingly extreme means. When it is a war of good versus evil, norms and fair play seem like quaint anachronisms, dot, dot, dot. The record high polarization is not just how much we are divided, but fundamentally how we are divided. The core problem is that the fundamental disagreement in our politics is not over what it means to be an American. It's over what our nation's core values are, and that this has historically spelled trouble. Drutman goes on to state examples of sharp partisan divides that we're facing now, like American versus un-American actions. Like if counter-protesters during the, the Charlottesville protest, like the alt-left deserve blame for the violence. If Confederate generals deserve commemoration in our public square if republicans are guilty of xenophobia and racism by voting for trump uh yes wait no let me <laughs> let me answer those no they are not responsible confederate generals don't deserve any credit right. this this is what he's saying <laughs> these are all like you the have to be more visible ryan you have to meet them in the center <laughs> yeah. and it, the last one is if the government is sacrificing its sovereignty to globalist institutions Obviously. Drutman uses his statistic that states that in 1960, roughly 5% of both Republicans and Democrats would be displeased if their child married someone of the opposing party affiliation. And in 2010, that number had risen to 33% for Democrats and 49% for Republicans. Wow. No daughter of mine is going to be dating a 
damn no damn good Democrats. <laughs> yeah. Which they were actually a bit lower in 2008, I guess, after Obama got reelected. Republicans were like, I am done with Democrats forever. Uh, um, likewise, there's proof that voters are less likely nowadays to have neighbors who, are, who belong to another party. And bipartisan marriages have been on the decline compared to 50 years ago. I couldn't get hard numbers for these stats, unfortunately. I mean, I think in this case, it might actually be like... A bold side thing, because I don't want, I don't associate with a lot of diehard conservatives, because I yeah. find the worldview so disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a, like, the reason why, like, this is a, not an easy uh, thing to discuss, is because people are like, oh, let's come together, the Americans, well, it's more important that you're American, but you have to be president for every American, like, they say, like, how Trump is not, and, like, Obama tried to be, mm-hmm. but, like, um... It's tough because on the fundamental level, it, uh, if you act like these things don't matter, it, it's bullshit because they do. These are these are not these are topics of identity and what our values are as Americans. It's not it's yep. not like the fact that we all fundamentally. That's the problem with like the nineties and shit and like the Obama years. The idea was we all fundamentally believe in these things and we just have to iron out the details. But the, the reality is we don't agree on the fundamentals on a lot of these things, like whether or not immigrants should be allowed into the country, whether or not uh, transgender people should be treated like uh, like people. Like we don't fundamentally agree on these issues and like this is now coming out and like stuff like Trump is just making us confront our actual differences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Drutman is pro-partisanship for the sake of democracy since he believes that if you don't have any choice whatsoever, you don't really have a democracy. But he's fearful of the contemporary hyperpartisanship we see today. He quotes sociologist Seymour Martin Lipset, who says that a stable democracy requires the manifestation of conflict and cleavage so that there are struggle over ruling positions, challenges to parties in power, and shifts of parties in office. That's actually a, a really good point because you, if you don't have partisanship at all, then you don't, then you don't have a choice between. Yeah, and that's something nobody talks about. Everyone likes bipartisanship is the only way to go in our discussion nowadays. And it's good that he at least acknowledges that partisanship is not necessarily a bad thing. But if you have it too much, obviously you can't get anything done. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, he he actually it, the article was actually really interesting because I'm not going to discuss some of the points he makes, but he actually goes into that a lot of the times like earlier, you know, if you were a southern white man like landowning man you were represented whereas everyone else wasn't which is why the government was a lot less conflicted because it was representing the views of southern white men exactly that's one thing i argue all the time with a lot of conservatives is they like think that obama like divided us all and my argument is always like no you were fine he gave a voice to people that never had a voice before and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's like no but he he increased the racial divide i'm like no the racial divide was already there for everyone but white people yeah you were just paying attention to it the media wasn't covering it that's yeah we had a black press now and he talked about stuff like black lives matter and they were forced to cover it so like that's just changed how the media perceived these things not how they actually were it was easier to ignore Mm -hmm. it before it's not like everything was perfect before yeah. Uh, sociologist Lipset adds that the system must permit the peaceful play of power and the adherence by the outs to the decision made by the ins, for without that, there can be no democracy. Mm. Lipset conceptualized political differences on a spectrum, where at one end you have workable issues with the opposing side, which were typically, I think the term he used was like, economically marketable ideas. It's like, how much, how much money do you spend per regulation kind of a a Mm. thing Mm -hmm. and at the other end are ideological oppositions which sly was talking about earlier where each side strives to protect the movement against impurities and the seeds of compromise drutman hypothesizes that this is where we're headed that when division involves purity and impurity then there is no bargaining because there can there are no negotiable principles just team loyalties we are the good and impure while they are evil and corrupt 
This is what he refers to when he uses the term uh, doom loop partisanship because it contains reinforcing dynamics that can spiral out of control. Hmm. As a biased hyperpartisan, I do, <laughs> I do think like there is a in a perfect world, I do think that there is a place for compromise, and I think that we can have a lot of compromise, but that's with the assumption that the other team are good faith actors. And like when you look at like stuff like what Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan do to the Senate, and to an extent, don't don't scream at me, Sly, but to an extent, like Harry Reid did the same thing. Yeah, Harry sucks. I, 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 like Democrats, like the reason why Democrats are kicked out of office, they don't represent. I like if I thought Democrats represented their voters and shit like that, I would be um I would support like Democrats more than I do now. Yeah. But the problem is Democrats engage the same pol- political games and they are bullshit yeah. uh, political actors too. And like when they break the norms and like Harry Reid's like we'll get rid of the filibuster, and then Senate Democrats get mad when the Republicans do the same thing. It's like you guys aren't acting with consistent faith at all. And then like is it compromise or is it just trying to fuck over everybody? It's it's interesting too that he we, he talks about like purity and impurity because mm-hmm. we talk we've talked about this a lot on like leftist infighting and everything. Yeah, purity politics. Yeah, it's actually really interesting because you know on on our group and when I talk to you guys like we often talk about especially Sly is very adamant that the Democrats are just like limp dicked uh, like <laughs> milk toast milk toast neoliberal cucks, cucks. who like who don't who don't have any actual they they don't stand up for themselves and the Republicans just bully them. They don't stand up for them themselves on corporate issues. Whenever there's, whenever the establishment, like like, like liberal, uh, neoliberal policies are, are in danger, they will, and even even and nowadays now they, they even give uh, forfeit the position on social issues like DACA in order to accommodate their neoliberal issues. Like when they gave up DACA in order to get the budget passed and shit like yeah. that. Like, right. I'm not trying to straw man you. I'm I'm just trying to say that uh, oftentimes we we feel like the Democrats are are weak and don't and don't do anything, and the, the, therefore we let the the right kind of run the show. And it's funny because when when you go into these really right wing circles, they're always talking about how Republicans are just cucks, all of them. Yeah, like they they hate Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. Yeah, they're like they're like Democrats run this country, and Republicans are complete uh, spineless wimps that can't ever stand up for themselves, and they are not like pure. And I think we it's very easy as we as you get more and more into like no, my ideals are correct to see everyone on your side as not being like. Good enough. Yeah, good enough. Because you're like, yeah. why are you compromising, you idiot? Like, yeah, you always like hear about the things where it's like, you know, if anyone that gives up DACA deserves to be primaried. Yeah. It's also tough because everyone has their own different litmus tests where like yeah. Yeah. we talked about this and came under fire a little bit, not pun intended, for <laughs> the in the gun control episode because like for us that wasn't at least, it, you know, it's changed for me personally since the, the past yeah. couple months, but like that wasn't a diehard litmus test like uh, like healthcare was for me or like gay mm-hmm. rights were for me. And like it's easier to be like, well, you should compromise on that, but not on my issue. And we see that a lot in all circles where like, you know, the things that like Sly and I might support the same candidate, but we might have completely different deal breakers for some other candidate that maybe is not a perfect left wing ideal. Yeah, and one one thing about this all is it's all about bubbles, and um, mm-hmm. we, uh, we live in um, a, a small leftist bubble a little bit because we have our little community. A little bit, <laughs> but not, not so much. We, we I, I mean, at least for me, I, I I stopped talking to you guys, and everyone I know is pretty right wing. I don't know about you guys, but like, and I watch the TV, and everything is uh, pretty corporate. Like, uh, yeah, I I I, 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 I come here, and I know every, I I always say to Phil, I say to Phil sometimes. 
I'm surprised at how uh, milquetoast piece of shit I am sometimes. Because like, <laughs> unless I really steer myself into leftist uh, reading and stuff like that, I, 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 just by watching TV, talking to my friends and family, I will drift more to center than than I would if I had both arguments presented to me. Like, especially in terms of like stuff that can't be considered good. Like, war is usually considered good. Like, should we have a war in Syria? Yes, because there's good to do. Like, uh, there's a lot of things like you don't even think about that. We assume are good, like the stock market going up indefinitely, mm-hmm. like uh, yeah. uh, American imperialism, all this shit. People, uh, especially in America, because we have the corporate media, generally is right wing, and we have uh, the people go on Arda Donalds, and they only talk, they ban anyone who doesn't, who even says anything like about Negative. Donald being less than perfect. Yeah. And you have Fox News, they turn on Fox News. Everything they do supports that bubble. So, like, even us, like, we will, we, we will bitch about people not being left enough, but. Uh, at the end of the day, we'll still vote for Hillary Clinton and shit like that. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we acknowledge that we because we, we, we still have to confront that right wing reality every day because the country has moved further right. While right wingers, they basically their bubble is complete. They, they, they don't have to deal with any left wing ideology whatsoever. So now for them, Obama is a socialist. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is the most far left you can go, and, and all this bullshit. N- and they don't even grasp the idea of anything further to the left of that. And so they, to them. Uh, anything to the right of all immigrants well, being deported no, see, is... I doubt that. I feel like they, they do. It's just like with us where it's like anything to... The right of like John Kasich is just... It's all terrible. So you, but, but, but they call it... You, if, you, if you call Obama a socialist, you don't know what a socialist is. That's what I well, think. Yeah, true. Like I wouldn't expect them to know what a socialist is either. Because <laughs> our media, there's no there's no a social, really socialist voice aside from Bernie in our culture and he's the only, he's the farthest left you can go even for socialist bernie isn't that far to the left there's much further mm. to the left if, just in uh, britain you have jeremy corbyn who wants to nationalize the railroads and all this shit like uh but for us bernie is like the rad- most radical and that frames everything we discuss when bernie is not even he's like the farthest you can go like if you go bernie you've gone all too far you've, you're crazy now but like in reality like that's like the minimum our country really needs to get any progress done yeah. But that's, I mean, it's a cultural thing too, though. Like, yeah, it is. Uh, it, but our culture is mandated by the fact that everything's to the right. Everything's, our, our corporate media, our, our, you know, our government is dictated by money. Decisions dictated by money. Our media is dictated by money. Everything is to benefit of the establishment. People who are already comfortable and conservative because they like the way the system is. And they want to keep it the way it is. Keep the immigrants out. Keep every, keep the people who have rights already having rights and not change too much because the way we have it now is what works. But one of the things that I think is interesting too when we talk about bubbles is our country is much larger and more like diverse than a lot of other countries. And like mm-hmm. when we talk about the bubbles that we live in, like even like my online life versus my real life, like I'm in different bubbles because like if someone like a Doug Jones or a Connor Lamb who we fully supported but if he was running in you know in New York I would say he's too conservative you know yep. and like yeah. it's like I live in a red district that the people like the the candidate that I'm supporting for the house race is very progressive but he's from a more corporate background than I would normally support but I have to make that sacrifice cuz I'm in a more like pro business district and like it's interesting when we talk about our bubbles like our hyper partisanship because i feel like in our facebook group and like in with like the four of us when we talk i feel like we forget sometimes that like just because we think they're super ideal and like we shouldn't sacrifice this litmus test someone in wisconsin might not view that at all the same exactly Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. that's true so back to the article Drutman breaks down the doom loop down into three self-reinforcing cycles. 
The first is the disappearing trust doom loop, wherein you have, where if you don't trust the opposite side to represent you, then negotiating with them is just impossible, which becomes exacerbated when you consume partisan media that reinforces how un-American the other side is acting. The second is the disappearing electoral legitimacy doom loop, wherein we explain electoral losses in terms like cheating and illegitimacy, and that like he he's not actually my president type of a thing, and. The third is the growing inequality doom loop, which is like what you think it is. The more unequal society is, the less the citizens believe that the country is being governed democratically. Mm-hmm. I could very easily see all three of these continuing to worsen and worsen yeah. and worsen. Yep. Especially because uh, it's hard to tell when these are legitimate actual things and when they are, uh, you know, just side effects of the bubble and unwillingness. Because, yeah. like, uh, the stuff we say about Trump, if you just... F- like, I, I don't know how to talk about Trump because I know all the stuff about him. I don't even know how to begin to explain to people in my family how bad Trump is without sounding yep. like an conspiracy theorist. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's, yeah, that's how I feel about him, too, where it's like if someone says I vote for Trump, it's like I don't know where to begin to try and dismantle why you think he's good in, like, any capacity. Yeah. And, like, when I know like I know a lot of moderates that – think that, like, the Russian stuff is as big a farce, like, the Russians influencing the election is as big a farce as, like, Trump's claims of, like, voter fraud, that, like, millions of yeah, people yeah. voted illegally. Meanwhile, yeah, regardless of how much U.S. intelligence supports one and not the other. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, I see it very easily, if you're someone that doesn't fall into that far left or far right camp, I could yeah. very easily see the real stuff about Trump seeming just as crazy, because, like, his scandals are bonkers yeah, yeah that that was actually one of the 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 silly things when i was reading the article that Trumpman brought up i know it's because i already have a partisan bias because i'm a democrat but but i i feel like there is something more there where he brings up like republican talker points like against obama birtherism that he wasn't born here that he is not a christian and therefore can't represent american values and then he brought up the three million illegal voters that it's like this is a problem with our democracy whereas on the dem side he used the examples of clinton won the popular vote as delegitimizing trump and that clinton would have won if not for comey and russia but those are like and it's real like, it's arguments like, that's how i feel i'm like yeah <laughs> but that's the thing like uh they have, they have, that's why i always bitch about milk toast pieces of shit because <laughs> because they're sitting there weighing them both equally hmm. yeah because you, you always have to bring up stuff like this like uh, I was, I was reading about this fucking really neoliberal piece of shit the other day. <laughs> do you like hate read for fun? I, I do that a lot. I, I, that's why I'm so mad at my, my life. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, he was saying that climate inaction on climate change is just as much a fault on the left as on the right. Because and he basically said the left is so demanding with, their, with all their anti-capitalist stuff that they, the right is, is now hesitant to reach the table because the left is too asking for too much, too much, and like. <laughs> <laughs> you have to, but if you're if you're a moderate, you have to do that because yeah, you you always have to be in the middle as as the Overton window starts shifting over. You're just like, well, I guess I'm pro gun now. But, but but from that, but like from that, because their message will be hurt if they don't. Because if mm-hmm. they if they uh, make a long list of all the fucking things are fucked with the right and all the and like equated with the with left, that list will be so skewed that the right will, be, will not will ignore their message and say, oh, you're 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 fucking liberal. Fuck you. Yeah. But they have to do that because they have to maintain position as a moderate. And if they don't maintain the position as a moderate, then they, be, they have to admit, oh, we're too, we're too left. So they'd rather keep that level of objectivity and of being above politics rather than Stanford's actually factual and what actually is the truth in the culture. Yeah. That's what always pisses me off about them. Like, pre-Trump, 
And, like, I think George W. Bush is one of the worst presidents ever. But, like, pre-Trump, I understood the argument that, like, liberals do shitty things, conservatives do shitty things. And, like, part of being politics, part of being a politician is you have to do shitty things. And, like, mm. you know, you have to spin the truth. And, like, I get that. But I can't imagine looking at Trump and being like, just another president. But millions yeah. of people feel yep. this way. Yep. Millions of people yep. are like, they're not Trump supporters, but they're like, Obama did the same kind of stuff. Like, yep. I had somebody start yelling at me because I said pardoning Joe Arpaio was way worse than pardoning Chelsea Manning. And they lost their minds that like, no, pardons are terrible and it doesn't even matter. It's an abuse of power and anytime it happens, it's equally bad. And I'm like, okay, that's a super disingenuous argument, but fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to wrap this up and I'm actually going to be a contrarian to the podcast because I'm going to list three conditions that Drutman says we have to address in order to stop it from getting worse. We have to appease the Republicans. <laughs> yeah. We have to move the country further, right? <laughs> and we got to murder Sly on the altar. Uh, the, the first is actually changing the first past the vote, the post voting system we have now in order to ensure diversity of political thought is represented. Yes. Like yes, giving yep, voices to conservatives in NYC and liberals in Alabama, just ensuring that there's more. Um, yeah. different opinions more partisanship in this case meaning more diversity of choice yep mm, yeah okay um the second is actually he, he had a couple facets to it which were all about decentralizing power in the government like reducing the expansion of the executive branch powers allowing members of yes congress, yes allowing members of congress i'm, to, I'm almost there there i'll keep talking <laughs> <laughs> to, 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 allowing members of congress to do more freelance coalition building and uh shifting towards states rights because he said that like that's how you oppose Trump's like uh, immigration ban. You look at stuff like California. Like I get that, but like I also don't want to leave fucking Alabama and Mississippi in yeah, charge that, of civil rights. Yeah, that's how I felt when I read that. I'm like, ah, uh, I don't. Like that's uh, great but thing, for but us. Thing is, but hold on, the thing is though, it's not just like the states' rights things. Also, just how much power Congress has given to the president, like tariffs and. Yeah. Declaring war, the executive branch has to. There's, there's no question. Executive branch has to go down. Yes, it's been I agree. built up as this imperialist power, so that all because imperial imperial powers have to have everything be centralized in order to be able to act quickly. I do absolutely agree with you. Yeah. Yes, and, and I know it's icky that states have to go up a little bit because some states are fucked up, but yeah. it has to. There's, there's no other way we can go. No matter what happens, the future. If we want the country to fucking get better, executive branch has to go down. We can't have all the power in one in one fucking well, office. At the same time, though, you can give more power to Congress without giving yes, more power. To governorships and state centralized That is true. Government. That is true. Yes, but I, I, I do agree with the executive branch going down specifically. Yes, as I a... do agree. Uh, and the third way to stop it from getting worse. Are you ready, Sly? Are you yeah. ready? Say it. Get money out of politics. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it says have politicians focus on the economic needs of the voters, not the donors. That sounds cool. great. So let's let's do it, guys. We figured it out. <laughs> we figured it out. Easy peasy. Yeah. yeah easy done. game, easy life. I'm yeah. sure the Republicans agree with us. Yeah. I'm sure they wouldn't vote a corrupt asshole into office. We found out these three cool tricks. Your senators hate, hate him. <laughs> yeah. uh, cool. So uh, I guess the future is pretty bright because we ended on uh, what we got to do to fix it. And we know that'll happen. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, that'll happen. I was there. It doesn't happen. Okay. So I'm going to go a little bit backwards where instead of giving the solution to it at the end i'm going to give the solution to it two weeks ago so i'm going to talk about That's automation you solutions you you answer the question first and you ask the question you're yeah. actually playing jeopardy this is jeopardy yeah. <laughs> exactly so last week or last fortnight i talked a lot about universal basic income and how that's kind of like the only way to help when there's no jobs for people so i want to talk about one of the biggest fears of our 
job market, and that's automation specifically in the trucking industry. So before I get to trucks, I want to talk about other jobs. And I was reading a Telegraph article about the what kind of jobs are at risk of automation. And they have this big chart. This is from this is based on England. So this is part of Jeremy Corbyn's platform. Like Sly was mentioning, he's a much he's a farther left guy than we're used to in America. And he says yeah. we have to challenge automation, which he called it a threat in the hands of the greedy. And this Telegraph article has a chart where you could search for your job and it will give you the per, the percentage likelihood that it's going to be automated. And the thing that I found really interesting about it is the stuff that is most likely to be automated are low income. And the lower income job, the more likely it is to be automated. And most jobs fall into one category between the two of either very, very likely or very, very unlikely. The stuff between 10 and 90% were kind of more like on the lower scale, but your job is either never going to get automated or almost certainly going to be automated right (laughs) away. (laughs) Which I found really, really interesting. And it makes sense because like if you are, you know, if you're like a data entry or uh, or like a technician or a clerk those things could be more quickly automated but things at the bottom of the list like recreational therapists and social workers those things were very unlikely to be automated Hmm. it's almost like robots are having a problem being humans (laughs) yes for now then when they... <laughs> yeah, that's true for now. Once they try to be human so badly, they end up killing us in their effort to become human. Then, yeah. then you'll see. I am no, human, Daryl. <laughs> Respect me. The problem is like humans are scum and they kill us instead and we will make better humans. In defense mm-hmm. of robots, though, humans also feel that way. So, yeah. yeah. But when you apply that model to American jobs, according to CNBC, half of American jobs are at risk from automation. And one of the things that was... That was uh, interesting and scary, I felt, is higher income jobs are basically untouched. But if you make an average of 38000 a year or less, you're like very quickly getting phased out to automation. And I think that's one of the reasons why our government doesn't seem to care that much about it and isn't really fighting it properly, because the rich people are unaffected by this. Mm-hmm. And as you go up and up the income, generally... It also, like, helps out the rich people, like, their businesses. Yes. It makes them more efficient. Like, you don't see anyone fighting for, like, the assembly line worker rights, really. Also, yeah. But also, the funny thing is, it's the very, very rich, like, the top 1%, because uh, people who are, like, like you know, uh, between that range... Like the people on on stock on the stock market and shit like that, they're gonna be phased out too. Like people who are like we talked about clerks and stuff like that, but even people who are pretty rich, they're gonna they're gonna be done. It's basically the top one percent that are gonna be benefiting from all this. Because uh, if you're if you're in office but you're not like mega 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 rich controlling the company, you're gonna be fucked. Yeah, and so I want to specifically look at the thing that I think is the biggest danger to our economy is when the trucking industry goes automated. Because the trucking industry has about three and a half million people and included in that, when I say like trucking, I mean like all delivery vehicles and also bus and taxi drivers fall under that model too. Just people that drive for a living. And one of the things that's scary about it is we talk about income, but truckers in 1980 made an average of $38,618 and now their average wage was 41,000. So if it kept up to inflation, they would be making 115 grand a year, but it only went up 3 grand from 38 to 41. So their wages have been completely stagnant for 30 years. 
Like most people have been. Yeah, I was about to say, mo- uh, to be fair, like most wages have not gone up since the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Uh, it, according to inflation. They've not kept up with inflation, much less the productivity, the amount yeah. of value they create for the companies they work for. Yeah, absolutely. And one thanks, of the things. Thanks, Reagan. Yeah. And <laughs> when you look at trucking, their labor is 75% of the shipment, is just the person. And. When you look at their model, most truck drivers can are prohibited from driving more than 11 hours a day. So if you had a self-driving truck that drove for the entire day, it would yeah. double the output and cut the cost by a quarter. So that's multiplying the productivity by eight times, mm-hmm. which is a lot. And that's why we see companies like Uber. In Colorado, Uber delivered 45,000 cans of Budweiser across a 130-mile trek with all semi-automated trucks that didn't that were all self-driving so they still had someone there but that's now that's a thing that's happening right now and that could be really really scary because all of a sudden you're gonna have three and a half million jobs disappear that's the, that's the funny about Uber because Uber is like this uh, company that's here to disrupt local taxis and shit like that. So they really fucked up all these taxi industries and made taxi driver careers less uh, profitable, less secure. And like Uber, Uber uh, drivers are now suing Uber for not paying them uh, and giving them shit wages. And the whole goal is now, now it's already shit and they're going to make it even worse by firing all the workers and replacing them with robots too. So. Yeah. And they also talk about the industry in itself. It's trucking is a $700 billion a year industry in America. And a third of that just goes to paying drivers. And because when you look at things like Amazon and Walmart, their trucks are unloaded by their machines. Their warehouses are completely run by machines. So you'll have like a forklift that's everything's totally automated. So you might have a driver stand there for 20 minutes and watch as the box just gets loaded up and then he leaves. And if you think companies like Amazon and Walmart are going to keep paying those guys when they have to, like that's <laughs> insane. Yeah. Of course they're not. You know, I, I was just thinking about how this actually synergizes with my the hyper-partisanship point. Whereas as these people are losing jobs, it's like, who are they going to blame and who are they going to ask to immigrants. fix this problem? Immigrants. Yeah. <laughs> these robot immigrants. <laughs> It's one thing when you're blaming immigrants for taking your jobs, but like if you explicitly see robots doing your jobs, I feel like that's really hard to make that jump because I think you have too much faith but in you, human you, like, like there's no way you can turn to Republicans, right, in order to fix this. But like it's and again, I'm not saying that I have faith in their intelligence. It's that it it'll be no secret when a truck is self-driving. It's yeah. different when you're like, "Oh, it's cheap oh my labor." God, or they start up. paying immigrants to just sit in the trucks. So like, oh, yeah, they, oh yeah, that's a good point. They actually do. They actually uh, do that in other countries. Like you know, you, you know, it's funny in America, in China, they have what they call white uh, monkeys. They hire white people just to pretend to be like, oh, I'm a white worker. I, I'm a, from a white company. I'm here to make a business deal with you, white Chinese company. This is an international company, and they have nothing to do with the company. They have no expertise. Like, like if it's like Phil is asked to do a thesis on. Uh, a dissertation on, um, I don't know, like uh, rocket fuel or something like that. And the, but he's white and the people in China be like, look, he knows what he's talking about. So like I, that that might be like they have industries like that in China already where they hire people that look like they know what they're talking about to do stuff. So like just maintaining appearances is a thing that happens. Like, mm. like they, they might hire immigrants just so it seems like there's a worker there even and give them shit wages because they're doing jack shit. I like that I went with conspiracy theory angle, and so I was like, "No, it's true. This is." I don't know. Happen. I'm not. <laughs> no, sold don't, don't on look that. up. Don't look up. Fucking uh, white monkeys. Like people do that. People do hire people just for appearances purposes. They might do. Yeah, that in like for... China, which but has these, they want, America is so above China, the inferior people, right? I don't. 
No, I personally don't see it. that happening, but it is the Dark Futurology episode, so maybe. <laughs> but uh, no, there is one slightly positive thing that I want to point out. is Yes, this would destroy the economy. It would be terrible if we don't adjust and have some sort of overhaul. But one thing I do want to point out is 41,000 people die on the highway in America every year. And if we had a fully automated car system, that wouldn't happen. But now mm-hmm. we need 41,000 more jobs every year. Mm-hmm. Shit. Because <laughs> those people aren't dying. Yeah. But... Yeah. You know, what a what a fill point to make that was. <laughs> oh my god, we're going to have to s- construct the Futurama suicide booth. <laughs> but uh, this, there's a Guardian article that has a lot of quotes from truck drivers, and a lot of them are like, this is terrible, but it's unstoppable. Like, there's nothing yeah. we can do. And one of the things they say that actually, be, like, the rise of labor unions that we talked about last time is actually causing some pushback on this, where they are slowing it down. Where when you have all these trucking labor unions, they're actually lobbying to try to slow down, like, legislation to allow automated truck driving, which they keep saying, like, this is just a speed bump. If you think they're going to stop it, like, there's no way that's going to happen. But, you know, hopefully they stall it long enough to for us to be able to push through some fix. Because if you all of a sudden have three and a half million people plus 41,000 extra people a year who don't have jobs, and we lose a third of a $700 billion industry... What is going to happen to our economy? We're either going to leave millions of people behind to just die because they can't afford anything, or it's going to become such a burden on our infrastructure and like our healthcare system that the entire system's going to collapse. Damn. Yeah. Uh, it's probably going to be the former. <laughs> it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rip us. I wonder if you're going to see this is super dark, but dark futurology. I wonder if you're going to see like like if if our healthcare doesn't get supported and there's no social security for like millennials if you start seeing mass suicides as people get older uh i unironically think that will happen like uh, mm-hmm. that happens every time there's that, yeah every yeah. there's like a, a great depression people jump out the windows too yep. uh, yeah. so it won't be burns on the family people do that like yeah, that's like it's going to happen well at least yeah. they'll make it home to say goodbye and not die on the road am i right guys <laughs> yeah. i don't know that uber car killed that pedestrian so <laughs> Okay, how many people no. were killed by just human incompetence on cars? I know, yeah, but this is not day. shit about this is not shit about uh, automated cars, but Uber, uh, like they said, oh, Uber's like, a bad fucking company that hires yeah, like, sexual predators. Like, I'm not defending yeah, they, Uber. Yeah, yeah, the fucking uh, cameras they use for that fucking automated car, they're so shit that uh, they're worse than uh, cell phone cameras. And Uber self-driving cars are so shit compared to Google cars. Google cars need to, uh, human interference every every three thousand miles. Yeah, I would I would say that if like yeah, Uber's delivering Budweiser, which is like the yeah. most America twenty eighteen I can think of. <laughs> yeah. But if there's like a naked woman riding in there too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Uber's need uh, Uber's need interference every thirteen miles. Like every it's like they're, they're not fucking self-driving. They're garbage. Just just to point that out. I would say that it's more likely to come from Google or Tesla than. Yeah, Uber. yeah, but it is important. I just want to point that out because Uber is a shit company. Don't let this give you a false appearance that it, Uber is a sign, but they're not gonna do it. They're, they're ones the ones pushing it, but other people are gonna do it better than them, and they're gonna hopefully yeah. go bankrupt. Yeah, but like I think that people that think that they could fight this trend are delusional because there's no yeah. way you can stop. And then like a lot of people made the argument like, oh, all the McDonald's workers asked for $15 and now they're all automated. I'm like, you really think they weren't going to automate already? Like to save that yeah. money? It was just, it was just a, an incentive to do it earlier. Yeah. It's just, it's just a, that's just an argument from the ruling, uh, you know, capitalist ruling class yeah. to uh, make people shut up and let them uh, rule the lion fist. Like they're going to do whatever they want anyway. Like if they were going to raise wages, like if they're going to spend all their extra, they're making record profits. They're going to spend on wages they would have done already. They're but it's a lot easier fun. to blame poor people for corporate greed than it is corporatists mm-hmm. yeah 
But that's all I got. All right. So what else sucks about the future? Well, do you guys know what antibiotics are? Yeah. Wait, but those are great. They sell those everything. are great. And actually, uh, for those of you who don't know how they work, I'm sure everyone does kind of know that when you have a bacterial infection, you take them and you feel better. And your doctor says, it's don't stop taking them. passive immunity. Yeah. And your doctor says, make sure you take them till the end of your dose. And you're supposed to do that. So they kill the bacteria. And also a lot of times people, people petition their doctors to give them even if they don't want it. Yeah. Actually, it kills most of the bacteria in your body, but of course, with everything, you know, 0.1% or less of the bacteria have a, some kind of resistance to the antibiotic. It's the same thing like when you get hand soap. It kills 99.9% yeah. of bacteria. And that yeah. 1% will become a fucking super bacteria and kill your hand. Well, no, because what it happens, actually, when you take the antibiotic, there's only 0.1% left and your immune system can deal with that. So, yeah. theoretically, that's not a problem. However... If somehow this was bred in a different place where the this 0.1% became antibiotic resistant and then managed to spread and have more kids, if you want to call the bacteria babies that, and they started to spread, we would have a bunch of bacteria that is antibiotic resistant because bacteria mutate and evolve faster for a lot of reasons we're not going to get into. They reproduce real fast. That's yeah. the main thing. Yeah. And they also can exchange plasmids or something with other bacteria. I forget exactly. Yeah. Also, like every other argument, they learn to adapt and survive. Like, if, if they... right, the fascinating kingdom of the Monera. Yeah, <laughs> we take our trip through this world. So the way we use antibiotics is there are several classes of antibiotics, and there are some very commonly used ones. So if you've been sick in the United States, you've probably gotten azithromycin or something like that, or amoxicillin. It's like a Z pack, right? Yeah, exactly. Just the the commonly used ones, and there are different tiers of them. And so we use the common ones, like azithromycin and, and amoxicillin. And if we come across a strain of bacteria that is resistant to that, that's when you bust out the big guns. Uh, these are antibiotics that are are rarely used so that this bacteria is almost definitely not resistant to it. So when someone's really sick with an infection that is could kill them and the amoxicillin's not working, you bust out the next tier of antibiotics. However, one of these bio- antibiotics of last resort, colistin or colistin, has been being shipped by the thousands of tons to India and China as growth promoters in chickens, pigs, and cows. Oh, boy. So on, in factory farms, factory farming leads to very like unhygienic conditions in general. Mm-hmm. So to compensate for not having clean space, to compensate the fact that they're shitting on themselves and eating shitty diets and injuring themselves and laying in their shit with broken legs, instead of having to fix that, they just give them all antibiotics so that they'll survive until a time when you can slaughter them. So, for example, one of the companies in India that not only distributes this antibiotic there, this antibiotic of last resort that is only used in the United States if someone is dying of MRSA or something, because it also hurts your liver, this distributor of colistin is also a poultry supplier. So they sell chicken to KFC, McDonald's, Pizza Hut, Domino's, all these companies. And so these chickens in India are starting to develop this bacteria that is resistant to this antibiotic of last resort. And it's not like one of those things that, okay, but maybe a few chickens have it. 11% of travelers screened coming back from India had it, this this antibiotic-resistant bacteria. And, oh, wow. And most of them actually, you're not even symptomatic necessarily, but you're a carrier. So you come back. Because we live in this new global age where it's very easy to travel, these antibiotic-resistant bacteria develop in wherever. It spreads to a worker or through the meat or through the water because these, these ag- agriculture is also – or farming, like animal – uh, husbandry, I should say, is one of the leading causes of water pollution, too, because all of the shit and stuff that is full of antibiotics 
is run off into the rivers and stuff. So you get it somehow, and then you fly it back to wherever. It spreads very easily because of that. And it's not just India either. China, in 2015, pigs there were, were found with this resistance to colistin as well. And about in about 30 countries now, animals have been found with these antibiotic-resistant bacteria. And it's not just these, you know, you know I'm saying India and China because that's the biggest places where this is happening. But they tested uh, chicken products in the UK. And out of all the ones that had bacteria on them, 50% of them were antibiotic-resistant. So this is a really big fucking problem because when you get these... When you get these infections through any any possible way, you can't be treated. There's very few antibiotics that can actually help you. And antibiotics aren't being developed, new antibiotics aren't being developed the same way that these used to be because to it's it costs billions of dollars to make a new antibiotic and it might only be effective for like a year before bacteria becomes resistant to it. So it's not, most companies don't even bother anymore with making a new antibiotic. So they... they the idea was originally we would have these few rare ones and we would bust those out when we need them, but it is sold almost everywhere now uh, in factory farming. So this is a this is a pretty big problem. I'm very concerned about dying yeah. this way. It, and it's funny because I actually wanted to bring this up uh, maybe two months ago, and just about maybe two days ago I saw new articles about how this they call it like nightmare bacteria or something. Uh, was found in 27 states in the United States. It's popped up. That's more than half. That's more than half. And again, it's because of global travel. Like 100,000 flights per day, uh, you're going to have people moving everywhere. And right now, about 27,000 people per year die of infections from antibiotic-resistant bacteria in the United States, which isn't super high yet. But I, I, I do believe that number will grow as this bacteria becomes more prevalent. And in, in certain cases of it, like... Carbapenem-resistant uh, enterobacteria, when 50% of people who get that die because they just can't treat you. Um, and as a result, also, hospitals have a very high incidence of these bacteria because lots of antibiotics are being used, lots of antiseptics. Like Ryan mentioned, in antibacterial hand soap is the same way. Overuse of that causes it. Yeah, I'm about to say, because I, I don't even know about this food stuff, so this shows how fucked we are. Because I, I, one problem in... The medical industry is that we overprescribe antibiotics. Like people, yeah. people come to the doctors and ask for antibiotics, even, no matter how dire or severe their their need yeah. is, and uh, they don't take their full medication, which yep. almost ensures that some bacteria survive. Yeah, if they don't take that last day, then that 0.1 percent is really going to be 15 percent, and your your body can't fight yeah. it off. It's actually crazy because in the U.S., it's it's actually pretty strictly regulated. If you've ever been to Europe and gone to a pharmacy, like we. Uh, we were in Greece and went to a pharmacy, which is actually like you can just get medicine there with that prescription. And we got antibiotics for a cat once. Like just we just said, I, I just need antibiotics, and they just sell it to you. Uh, and in China, apparently, doctors there, you're seen as like a bad doctor if you don't prescribe antibiotics, so no one will go to you anymore. So if you have a headache, if you have, a, a, you know, the flu is something that antibiotics do not help with, but. People get a fever and they have flu-like symptoms and they're like, "I'm sick. I need antibiotics." Yeah, because it it doesn't work against viruses. It only works against right. bacteria. So yeah. most people don't realize most sicknesses you get, like the the standard cold and flu, are, are viral. Yeah. So people in places that have low regulation, especially, antibiotics are handed out willy nilly, and that leads to big big problems. By the way, you know, uh, antibiotics are linked to the rise in allergies and asthma as well. That's interesting. Uh, so they don't know why. What, 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 they, what they have now is like a link to it because they have like babies at six months who take antibiotics. Fifty percent risk uh, increased risk for allergies, dust, dander, pollen, eye allergies, and they have a doubled risk for asthma. 
And like, it's not like, oh, this is a direct link, but they know that they're connected and they believe it's because there's a, the normal bi- microbiome that you have in your body gets fucked up by the antibiotics. And, yeah. Yeah. Now, one thing I do want to point out, though, is at least for me, I don't want to speak for you guys, but antibiotics generally are a very positive yeah. thing. And yeah, maybe these kids have allergies, but maybe now they don't have like horrible bacterial infections they had when they yeah, were kids. Yeah, but the thing is, like, the question is, like, yeah. if they were giving out willy-nilly, maybe they didn't have to get those. That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, like, I don't want to paint the picture that it's, like, antibiotics are bad. It's, we overuse them. Yeah, this is not anti-vaxxer shit. We're not trying to... Yeah, no, no. And again, I'm not saying you guys are saying that, but, like, the thing that is concerning to me is we have two opposite problems in this country now where we're overindulging in antibiotics, but we also have a growing movement of anti-vaxxers that are now, like, destroying our herd immunity to things that we thought were pretty much wiped out already. So, like, our problem is that we're taking too much and not enough medicine. (laughs) And, like, that's just... Different different kinds of medicine. I don't want to send the message that, Mm -hmm. like, medicine is bad. But, like, it's... We have to... Look at the research on what the proper amount is. Yeah, and 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 like Ryan's saying, like the, the our worst case scenario here is we go back to basically a state of pre antibiotics, which is the worst case scenario where uh, bacterial infections are have a good chance of dying every time. Because if yeah. if it, if all bacteria is antibiotic resistant, then we're essentially back in you know fucking before what's his name, uh, you know what I'm talking about Fleming yep. Jesus. Uh, Oh, Fleming. Yeah, Fleming. Yeah, Fleming. Jesus. <laughs> Before Jesus, the first microbiologist, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, isn't Original Sin the first bacterial infection? Oh! Uh, the first yeah. first microbiome. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you could argue that. <laughs> could you? Yeah, you could because uh, because according to some people, like lions like ate grass and stuff before the fall of man. So like uh, bacteria must have come in with that too. <laughs> Because if everything was perfect, there wouldn't be bacteria. That's always funny, like those creationist scientists who, like, once you uh, they assume like so, like a, fir- a first crazy assumption, and they find all this evidence to prove uh, prove it afterwards. Like anyway, anyway, I am extremely not optimistic about fixing this because of first of all, it's an issue that no one actually talks about or cares about, and because if largely this is caused by um, over over farming, like we don't realize this. I don't think that. This is a very, very new thing that people eat meat every day and much less like three times a day like most people do in the West. And what's happening now is as the third world gets richer and as developing countries get richer, they want to eat meat as much as we do in the West. And we have countries like China and India that are – that in India in particular, um, chicken consumption, for example, from 2003 to 2010 doubled, literally doubled. And so as as more of the world eats meat – and we eat meat more often, which has been an upward trend basically forever. It's gone down in the U.S. for the like since 2013, but only a little bit. As we eat more and more meat, we need more and more factory farms. Right now, we have like 30 billion animals in factory farms. 30 billion, not million, billion. Wow. So as that demand goes up, we need more factory farms, which needs more antibiotics. And I don't think this is going to be fixed very easily because it's one of those issues that people get mad about this. They're like, oh, fuck, we need regulation. But as soon as you're like, hey, don't eat factory farmed meat, they're like, well, think hold, about, hold on. Think about how people got mad. All the right wingers of the country got mad when Michelle Obama was saying you should eat less fatty stuff, like objectively yeah. terrible stuff. And people say, my freedom, my choice, I eat what I want. I want yeah, you're like, I don't want super bacteria, but you're like, then don't eat McDonald's. And you're like, but 
it's I so really good. like McNuggets. Yeah, yeah it's and like, so good. Like people, people, there's definitely uh, maybe if like Trump did it, the uh, the, uh, the right wing will love it because they, he can do no wrong. Like only only Nixon can go to China. Only Trump can. Uh, <laughs> but Trump me. has fucking like three Big Macs a day or whatever. Yeah, it seems like between like both uh, factory farm animals contributing to global warming. Yeah. And now super bacteria. I wonder if as the years go on, there's more and more of a stronger case for people enforcing like vegan friendly legislation. But there's always a, there's always a case for it. But if it's like it's such a uh, like a, a luxury that we all enjoy mm-hmm. that it's like such a habit that to stop to take someone who eats meat every like three times a day and tell them to stop completely. Yeah. It's like yeah, th- this is actually something where it's like a lot of other legislation might not affect you. Like again, gay people getting married, it's like that doesn't affect you. But saying you have to stop eating meat three times a day. Yeah, think about mad people get mad. People get mad about saying gay people getting married. Like yeah. how mad people get about that. Like how yeah. people get mad about things that actually affect them. I think this is gonna be one of those things that people look back on in fifty years, like how barbaric you people yeah. were. I think I think more likely uh, we'll probably have like there are better alternatives to eating like beef. Like I think um, beef in particular is worse than most meats. It is like, it is for global warming yeah. purposes, but for this for antibiotic resistant bacteria, like chickens are are the main cause. Well, this, Unless this is, you shifted to a more like locally sourced. But then McDonald's can't exist, and you have to have like like people would still be mad because imagine you went to the store no, and get I'm saying nuggets. I'm saying like at a micro level if you're not ready to give up everything I feel like there are middle grounds yeah, are you yeah. willing to pay 20 bucks for your for your meal well, though that's the question yeah I think it would be more likely if in the short term the government like if, there, if we had a non-shitty president who cares about being proactive we, they will make measures like subsidizing local companies and shit like that. Mm. Uh, and yeah. trying to uh, subsidize infrastructure for these movements and stuff like that. That's very true, yeah. Mm. And, th- and then in four years later, the Republicans would be arguing, they're subsidizing vegan farms. Like, we don't need to spend money on that. <laughs> I have the, the, but that's, that's more like, it's, it's like <laughs> banning meat is like, that's never going to happen. It's like a pipe dream. But like that, I can at least see that happening in, yeah. my, in my reality. Yeah. 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 So I, I... I'm glad you're optimistic. I'm not. I feel like we would rather die than give up chicken nuggets. So. Oh yeah, I'm not optimistic. <laughs> I'm just saying. But I'm thinking like well, I, I do think I do think we'll take action because we, we, we human beings don't generally lie down and die. We usually take some action. But no. the question is, like, Phil, the only hope is lab-grown meat. I I fucking pray every day. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like you know if that that's like something I am very optimistic. There's still people who are like ew, I won't eat it. It's going from a lab. I mean if it's fucking cat, if it's still chicken cells, yeah. I, I, like it yeah, shouldn't I matter. It. But yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I hope. I really do. Yeah. You know, I've actually read people who worked at these companies working on these lab-grown meats having the meat, like, industry representatives coming to the research company saying, please stop, like, you're you're going to kill our business. <laughs> so I, I hope. I think a bunch of, like, corporate moguls coming and telling me, like, stop your research would be the most motivating thing <laughs> that could possibly yeah. happen. And frightening. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and fight. stop or else. Yeah. Or else we'll uh, have mafia over your house in like five days. Yeah. We'll have a bunch of uh, antibiotic resistant mafia come and beat <laughs> but, you up. No chickens. <laughs> they come and just die inside of your facility and get infect your meat. Yeah, with nightmare yeah. meat, and now you're you're fucked. <laughs> nightmare meat. So that's that's my. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure we'll all die from it, but I hope not. The thing is, I understand what Sly's saying that like humans don't just generally lie down and die, but that's when the threat is like an obvious link between this like if, if this happens i will die but this is such like a weird like through uh you know farming yeah. too much that we use too much antibiotics and that in the end creates some antibiotic resistant bacteria which then spreads through this way like do people make the connection me eating chicken nuggets contributes to that i don't think so but sly is completely right 
Compromise and incrementalism is no. the only way we can advance. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that. Reaching what... for a pipe dream is is impossible. Yes. Okay. I'm not saying that as a way. Like I, I. This is what I recommend. I'm saying what I think is the next logical course, most likely course of action. I don't think human beings will make these changes. And like Phil says, we're not gonna make these links. But I do think uh, that we can make the links enough, like we do the stuff generally right now, that we will try to generally make things a little bit better than what we have now with me- these methane. Giant methane producing uh, nightmare bacteria super factories, yeah. and won't, yeah. it won't solve the problem. Like, well, when you put it that way, it sounds terrifying. And the reason I'm, I think the reason I'm so not optimistic is because like factory farming is not new, but yeah. it grows as an industry every year like so massively. It's yeah. it's not like it's showing signs of stopping. And I'm like, maybe I'm like, no, this this industry gets bigger every year. Yeah, it, yeah. I, I I can say just pessimism, but and, I, and, not, and what I'm saying, I'm clarif- to clarify, I'm not saying this. We as we solve the problem, I'm saying. That's our compromise we're going to make in the future after shit gets bad, all right? Yeah. Like, after Nightmare yeah, kills yeah. some people. So, Sly, um, hopefully, with the super presence and ubiquitous nature of the super bacteria, hopefully rich people would have to do something because their lives are in danger, too, right? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> what? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll live a very short time because these survivors maybe will live forever, or at least very rich people. What? Oh, how could that be? <laughs> uh, so uh, my topic is immortality, and you guys all deserve Oscars. <laughs> I know if you're Daryl. Whenever I bring something down, Ryan, they roll their eyes, saying it's not gonna happen, Sly. Yeah, gonna... Sly proposed this this episode. And I'm like, I don't want to do this if you're gonna talk about immortality. Sly proposed this episode like early in the show because <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's gonna happen. I think this is gonna happen before a lot of things. Maybe not full mortality, but we're gonna start living longer, and it's gonna start have ma- massive ramifications on our, our society. Uh, just the fact that we lived longer now, like the baby boomers living too long had massive ramifications on society. Yeah. Uh, just a, f- a few examples of the measures we're taking right now for increasing human lifespan, because right now the focus isn't on just increasing lifespan. Now, uh, we spend most of our lives sick. Uh, we're sick and elderly. Our, our body breaks down over time. And uh, that's one of the biggest problems now that we have aging populations and stuff. And uh, we're not getting birth rates enough to match that aging populations. The focus is how long, how can we keep you uh, being young for longer and improve your quality of life throughout your life? Uh, one of the reasons why I think it's going to happen is because theoretically, aging, the only reason why aging happens is because your body just breaks down over time like everything else does. But if you can uh, figure out what's causing that breakdown, you could theoretically uh, prevent it and treat it and extend your life. So, one example of that is senescent cells. Uh, senescent cells are cells in your body. Cells over time, they accumulate damage into DNA and that's caused them to turn to tumors. To avoid that, some fix themselves, some just die, some just self-destruct and die off, and some become senescent. Uh, they, they basically retire. They stop growing or dividing. So they're not cancer, but they're not doing anything. They're just uh, uh, retired cells. Uh, but they also produce molecules that wreak havoc on tissue, other tissues. And this is basically, the reason why you do that is because this is supposed to alert the immune system to purge these cells. Like basically, we're, we're, we're not making any more cells. Please purge us. We're bad cells. But as your body gets older, your immune system uh, gets slower. Your immune system breaks down. And your immune system gets less equipped to take care of these senescent cells. So your body uh, starts building them up. And in lab rats, getting rid of these senescent cells cause rats to live better lives and live longer lives. And, and right now, uh, for these lab rats, they have isolated molecules that do 300 more damage to senescent cells than regular cells. So they can theoretically just wipe out these senescent cells from your body, and uh, your body will recover from the, the t- some of the deterioration that happened happen and reduce the deterioration in the future because you have less of these cells taking up space unless they're doing damage to healthy cells. 
So it just it three hundred percent more likely targets the retired. Two hundred times, two hundred times more likely. Two hundred oh, times. Oh, okay. So this is this is uh, in lab rats. So lab rats. Uh, one caveat is the lab rats are still different from humans, and mm-hmm. they're, they're doing human testing. Really? Now. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the same. Same. Like, yeah, most people probably know rats are not humans. You say that, but uh, it's actually a lot of people d- d- underestimate how how. It's especially because one of Jordan Peterson's big thing is to compare us to the hierarchical structure of lobsters, as if we're yeah. closer to lobsters than like rats or other mammals. <laughs> hmm. What an idiot that guy is, <laughs> Ryan. That's its own episode. <laughs> I yeah. know. And since we use uh, rodents for uh, testing regularly, people assume they're a lot more reliable than they are. The reason why we use rodents is only because they're not covered under any animal cruelty laws and mm-hmm. they're pretty cheap to produce. That's the only reason we use them. We're not because they're reliable or anything. Uh, so that's uh, synthesis cells, purging synthesis cells. The downside is, uh, the one bad thing is that synthesis cells are important for treating cancer. So purging synthesis cells, you don't know what effect they'll have on cancer growth in your body. So that's one possible downside. I just couldn't imagine looking at the world that we live in now and be like, I would like to experience this for more time than I have to. <laughs> That's how I feel every day. Like, <laughs> it, It's like the funny irony where it's like with your friends and your family and loved ones, you're like, you want to live forever and stay with them. And then you look at the shape of the world and you're like, you know, death is such a sweet release from this like yeah. chaos and nonsense. Yeah. It reminds me of, I'm going to tell a very short anecdote, of when, Daryl, we found that when we went to move out of our dorm, you had carved into the bathroom stall, life is suffering, death is the reward. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Uh, College. (laughs) College. Like, I think right now the more uh, relevant and, like, more hot topic is NAD+. And it's more hot topic because uh, they're calling it the anti-aging pill. And AD plus, uh, it's an article from Time. It's a molecule found in all living cells and it's critical for regu- regulating cellular aging and maintaining proper functions for the body. Without it, uh, you die in 30 seconds. Like, you need this fucking cell. And your body slowly produces that cell of it as you grow older. It diminishes over time and re-upping NAD plus in mouse uh, caused them to live uh, longer and healthier. So much so that a March 2017 study published in the Journal of Science in, in, the, in the journal Science, uh, it showed that signs of aging in the tissues and muscles of the older mice reversed so much that uh, the scientists could no longer tell the difference between tissues of a two-year-old mouse and those of a four-month-year-old one. Like, that's how stark uh, this th- the difference was. Wow. Yeah. And so now uh, they're doing uh, randomized controlled trials in November, and, and, uh, and now in November of 2017 in the journal Nature, they found that the people who took uh, the, the daily supplement contained NAD+, had a substantial, substantial sustained increase in NAD plus over a two-month period. So taking it in pill form does increase your NAD plus levels, and the lab rats have been proven to incre- uh, uh, make them lo- tissues younger and healthier. And this is so uh, this is like this is so legitimate scientists that NASA is actually using this, this research to reduce the DNA damage on on astronauts in Mars missions because of all the radiation damage that huh. scientists suffer. If you think like, oh, it's never going to happen. We already have this thing in development right now. And it's, uh, it's a, it seems like a very likely avenue for uh, increasing uh, the health of your tissues and decreasing the deterioration. This sounds like a good futurology. Yeah, right. Sly, yeah. You, this must be dark futurology. Why is this bad? Uh, well, hold on. I'm going to Sly it up soon. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to trip and break my chair? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> And the, and the third avenue for immortality is actually stem cells. If you know anything about stem cells, you know that they're basically the cell blueprints for your body. As you get older, these cells die off, but when you're younger, they use them for development. 
and injecting stem cells into the hypothalamus of the brain increased mice lifespan by 10%. Stem cells is only like iffy thing because uh, you inject them from young t tissue into older people. So maybe in the future you'll be harvesting young people, for, uh, young poor people for rich poor old people, which is what I think we'll that's, do. That's a jump. It's, that's the <laughs> ultimate goal of Planned Parenthood, I heard. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> but uh, that's it. But that's uh, it is important to factor in that stem cells are a weight. Uh, the reason why our cells deteriorate is because we lose stem cells, and injecting them improves your improves your mental capa capacity and all these other functions of your body. And I bring this I bring this all up because now this is uh, uh, the rich people are supporting this, and like with the decrease in public funding and all this stuff, all the research we have is now at the whims of pub uh, private financing. And a lot of private financiers are really want uh, immortality because if you're rich and well off, for us it's hell world. But if you're rich and well off, this is heaven world, and you want to live in forever yeah. and never die. If you're Dick Cheney, you want to be vice president forever. You want to be now. Uh, you you want to never die. So, mm -hmm. uh, example is Peter Thiel and uh, interview with Vanity Fair. I was just gonna bring him up. Yeah, <laughs> he's a he. Uh, this is not an interview with Vanity Fair, but Vanity uh, Fair talks about an interview with Peter Thiel. Uh, he's a, a co-creator of PayPal, and he's, he's super into this stuff. He talked about how he's looking into parabiosis uh, when, when they introduce young blood into older uh, mice blood. And you might think that sounds like dystopian horror, taking young people's blood and injecting it into, horror, uh, into old people's blood, but we're doing it right now. So if you think the stem cell stuff is crazy, we're doing it with blood right now. So uh, one example uh, is a startup called Ambrosia, which is, start, which is charging $8,000 a pop uh, for blood infusions from people under 25. If you, if you are willing Shit, to, to, I just to, missed it. <laughs> now you can be a, a consumer instead of a, a contributor. Yeah. Yeah. What what if you I want to know what happens if you take a kid and fill it with old blood. <laughs> it, it, it ages. It ages, yeah. <laughs> he becomes wise and racist. <laughs> and the Stanford University uh, neurologic professor Tony uh Wiscore, uh claims that the blood of the young uh, improves brain function, including synaptic activity, neurogenesis, and plasticity. And supposedly Peter Thiel spends forty thousand. I'm going to Gawker, so take it as you will. Claims that Peter Thiel spends forty thousand dollars per quarter to get an infusion of blood from an eighteen-year-old, based on research uh, conducted on Stanford for extension life of of mice. I love the idea of like how much like their research is just like how much do you spend on kid blood? And he's yeah, like forty thousand. I, I, I think he didn't he sue Gawker and try to put them out of business. Mm -hmm. He did put them out of business. Yeah, he was so he I, was I the know. one that was backing Hogan behind the Hogan v Gawker yeah. case. Yeah. So, they might just be like, he fucking spends all his money on kid blood. Maybe, maybe they find out the truth. Maybe they find out the truth. And they're like, yeah, I have to, I have to hide the truth. So he's like, <laughs> okay, could you imagine seeing a a website get taken down by a guy who lives off kid blood backing Hulk Hogan <laughs> after his like racist rant on a sex tape and be like, I want to consume this kind of life forever. <laughs> but, but the reason I bring this up is because a lot of changes in the society depend on death. Like, one of the biggest issues right now is uh, baby boomers aren't retiring. Uh, they're staying in their jobs longer. And it's creating yeah. a problem for millennials because uh, there's less positions of opening up for millennials. Mm -hmm. So what, th what that means is if they never retire, if they live forever, how is that sustainable? So between between immortality and automation, there's no jobs for us. <laughs> yes. But that's, like, uh, and that's not even counting into how much of an effect it'll have on culture, how much uh, established white people are fucking up our society right now to keep immigrants out and keep uh, their demographics high. Yeah, like imagine if Reagan lived forever. Like exactly, how, how like... detrimental that would be to U.S. politics. And also, if we talk about how like the top 1% keeps accumulating wealth 
And like, we're doing things like, you know, repealing the estate tax and like, or like, you know, lowering the thresholds and all those kind of things. Like if, if they don't die, then they're certainly never going to lose any of that money. And that yeah. the income gap will just keep going up and up and up. Mm-hmm. And also uh, note that like Ambrosia, uh, it costs $18,000. You get $8,000 just for donating blood. So imagine how much profit they're making for each blood they get. So, yeah. and you have the, the you have to like, take I donated blood yesterday and they took a lot and I didn't get any money. <laughs> you got cookies though, probably. <laughs> and, and, they, and the D plus is a player you're going to have to take regularly in order to combat aging. And uh, to probably get stem cells, you probably have to pay money. And to get the treatment for stem cells, you probably have to pay money. So this is going to be something just for the rich. Rich will forever. Dick Cheney will forever. Trump will forever. We'll all die. And this is why, fuck the skate earth, we're going to die. No, and to, to loop this back around, this, this is why the hyperpartisanship issue is going to get worse. Because we see these issues and we're like, something has to be done. They're, they're, like no, the die. other side is impure because they're stealing blood from children. <laughs> All right, guys. Please let's like like my life. I want to end this podcast. So, jeez. So, hope everybody's feeling good. <laughs> hope you're not, because that was the whole point. You're supposed to feel bad. And <laughs> yeah, you, you're supposed to want the sweet release of death after this episode. That's, that's this is this is dark call. futurology, not sadism's lie. <laughs> yeah, when, when I was in the future actually uh, last week, but that doesn't really make sense because it's uh, it was you know, whatever. Uh, you know. It was a bunch of rich people living forever in two really hyperpartisan political parties, but they started to die of super bacteria, and they had no jobs because the robots took over. So, like, it wasn't that bad, really, when I think about <laughs> oh it. Oh, my God. I can't wait for robots to fight super bacteria. <laughs> that sounds pretty awesome. Robots are immune. They win already. <laughs> no, the bacteria will find a way to start Yeah, bacteria will evolve and become Chemical robot bacteria. Shit. That's called a virus. <laughs> Like a computer virus. So, if you want to send us any vials of your sweet kid blood, or <laughs> have any other things you're afraid of, you should join our Facebook group, Oops, I Talk Divisive Issues, or you could email us at oops, is it oops, I talked politics at gmail.com? Yes. Yeah, the Twitter handle is oops, politics. You could also reach us out there, or join our Discord, the link is in the show notes, or you could check out the rest of the network and send them all your kid blood. <laughs> At comraderadio.com. I'm sure they'll appreciate it. They'll be like, oh, this is all this. We have packets and packets mm-hmm. of blood. It's great. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, send it. Send your blood to Falling in Love Montage. Send your blood to Tales from the Static. No, send no, your I'm heart like... to Falling in Love Montage. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But still send your blood to Ryan and Tales yeah. from the Static. I feel like he would appreciate it. Oh, and actually, I do have one thing also to plug. In two days, I'm going to be... I have a show in... Babylon on Long Island at Bartini Bar, everyone's favorite dive bar in Babylon. And you should come. I'm playing two full sets. So I know a lot of our listeners live on Long Island. So you should come hang out. And so, yeah, I'll be there. It's Bartini Bar, 8 o'clock, Friday the 13th. Spooky, like inevitable death. So thank you for listening to Oops, I Talk Politics. I've been the 0.01% of bacteria that they just can't kill. I've been logging for suicide booths. I've been drinking kid blood since 2014. And I've been saying kids are the future because we're going to drink their blood. (laughs) (laughs) Oops, I ended the podcast. Independent Podcasting Network.